Last weekend, uh, we, were, we were playing Monopoly on, like, family game night. And um, the seven-year-old, the four-year-old, myself, their grandma was there. My wife was the banker. And uh, we, were, we were playing Monopoly, and it was late in the game. And uh, I owned the red spaces. I had a Monopoly on red. And um, I, had, I had three houses on each one. Um, and my four-year-old is going around the board, and he lands right on one of my spaces. Uh, and so I look down at my little, you know, rent sheet, and I'm like, Drew, you owe me $750. And um, he, <laughs> he looks at me, and then he looks at his money, and then with just like the biggest crocodile tears you've ever seen, he just starts like a real cry. And my wife is sitting there and she's starting to count his money, you know, 100, 200. And he had about $700. And so she's counting it up. And I mean, he is, we're sitting on stools. He's got his feet up and he's going, no, daddy, no. <laughs> I mean, he is crying. It's like, it's one of those parental moments, you know, where you're going, do I, you know, do I teach the lesson or, you know, what do I do here? And um, so, I mean, my wife, I'm like looking at her. She's looking at me and she gives me that look and she goes, those are real tears. He's real. I'm like, I know he's really crying. Stop with the guilt and stuff. So, so I'm like, well, buddy, you know what? Um, Daddy's just, you know what? I'm going to let you off the hook. Don't worry about it. You, you don't have to pay me anything. Is that all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was, of course, loving that. Um, and then a, a couple turns later, it was Grandma's turn. And so Grandma comes around the board, and she lands on one of his properties. And so he looks down at the little rent sheet, and he's like, $20. And he looks at Grandma to pay. And I, I'm like, well, buddy, and I kind of cut in. I'm, again, trying to be the good parent. I'm like, well, buddy... I mean, since Daddy let you off the hook for $750, don't you think you ought to, you know, give Grandma a break and, you know, she doesn't have to pay the 20 And he looks at me, and he looks at the rent card, and he looks at his money, and he goes... <laughs> and he, I'm like, buddy, you can't... You're not... Get, you, it's 20 bucks. I just gave you 750 Monopoly dollars. You can't charge Grandma 20 bucks. And he, I mean, he could not get it. Well, this is part two of our cage series that we started last week. And we're talking about this idea of forgiveness. And, and here's the thing. This morning we're talking about putting other people in the cage. Putting others in in the cage, and, and it's this idea of, of dealing with this inability that we have as humans to forgive one another. I mean, here's, in theory, we know that, that we need to forgive each other. We know that if somebody wrongs us, if somebody offends us, that, that we should forgive them. We know that, and yet, somewhere inside of us as human beings is this, this struggle, isn't it? Because we look at our lives and we're like, but I should... I know I shouldn't be putting someone in a cage. I know that I should forgive them. But somehow it's really, really hard, isn't it? But, and this is so interesting to me, turn the tables and make it so we're the one who's done the offending. We're the one who owes the, the money. We're the one who's harmed someone, who's hurt someone, who's offended someone. And all of a sudden, everything changes, doesn't it? 
I mean, when someone offends us, I mean, we run to the cage and we're like, we got to put them in the cage. This is not okay. How could they do that? They harmed me. They hurt me. They hurt my family. They offended me. And we run to the cage. But when you turn the tables around and we're the one who's done the offending, we're the one who's done the hurting, we want a whole different set of characteristics, don't we? See, here's the thing. Offense will come. The the unfortunate reality of living as a human being here on earth is that offense will come. Because we are fallen, sinful humanity living in a fallen and sinful and broken world. And the inevitable is offenses are going to happen. No matter how hard we try, no matter what we do, even if we moved to a deserted island, offense would still happen. You know why? Because all of your family and friends would be hurt by you moving to a deserted island. There's no way around it. There's no escaping the fact that in this life you will have trouble, that, that offenses are going to come. Not only is it going to be that we get offended and hurt from time to time, but again, the reality that we don't even like to face and talk about is that there are going to be moments in time where we are the one who does the offending. So what do we do? How do we handle that? How do, how do we, as we're talking about this issue of forgiveness, how do we deal with this cage of unforgiveness that we're, we're so tempted to drag people into how do we deal with this well jesus and the disciples were actually having a a conversation that's very similar to this in the book of matthew matthew 18 records this this dialogue that jesus and the disciples have if you have brought your bible turn with me to matthew 18 if you don't the verses are on the screens around me you'll be able to follow along but um they're they're in the midst of this just this big conversation about what it means to forgive and in their culture the law made some pretty bold statements about this idea of forgiveness and and so peter one of the disciples pulls jesus aside and he asks him this question look at verse 21 he he says to, to jesus this he says then peter came to jesus and asked lord how many times shall i forgive someone who sins against me and then he says this up to seven times because see in the law of that day it was required that if someone offended you, if someone harmed you, that you were, you were supposed to forgive them up to seven times a day. So Peter comes to Jesus, knowing that Jesus has, has come to fulfill this whole deal and has come to, you know, Jesus always had interesting things to say about these law type of situations. So Peter wants to know, you know, Lord, what do you say? What, what do you, I mean, the law says seven, you know, he's thinking Jesus is going to go, you know, yeah, maybe eight or nine. Yeah, yeah, you know, take it up to ten, that's cool. I mean, he thinks Jesus is going to enhance this a little bit, you know. Look at Jesus' response, verse 22. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. And actually, if you go back, some translations actually record that what Jesus meant was seventy times. Seven in a day. Okay, wait. We're so, if, if somebody offends us, we're so, imagine Peter. We're supposed to forgive them four hundred and ninety times a day. That's twenty point four one six times an hour. No, I'm sorry, 20.416 times, yeah, that's right, an hour. So every, like, 20 or 30 seconds, we're supposed to forgive. Forgive you. 
forgive you. <laughs> what? I mean, think about Peter. In this moment, he's going, you know, the law says seven. What do you say? And Jesus is like, um, 490. He is rocked. So, and, and then, of course, before Peter can even push back, and you've got to love this about Jesus, and we know that Peter knew this about Jesus, Jesus breaks into story. Now, I don't know about you, but there are, occasionally I have friends who, who break into song. You know what I'm talking about. You're at a restaurant, you're trying to have, like Peter, you know, this deep philosophical conversation, and all of a sudden, like, they'll hear, like, a lost 80s rock song playing on the stereo in the kitchen, you know, and all of a sudden they're like... You're, you're, I'm trying to talk to you, and they're like, wait, 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 wait listen to the bridge. <laughs> and then they're like, oh yeah, what were we saying? You know what, forget it. Well, Jesus had that tendency, not with song, but with story. And so in, in verse 23, Jesus breaks into story, and listen to this. Uh, we don't know if this story was true or not, but it certainly was real enough that the disciples who were listening in, they, they definitely knew that Jesus was, was making a point, and it was real enough to believe. So, so listen to this. Verse 23, it says, Jesus breaks into story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began this settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now, when you go back and you study the original language this was written in and you begin to make some of the calculations and the, and the transitions, you realize that, that this servant of this king owed the king $5.2 billion in today's dollars. It was the equivalent of 20 years of a day laborer's wages. $5.2 billion dollars that's a cage <laughs> yeah, yeah you're in trouble this is bad and so the king is like i want to settle these accounts so he calls in this servant and he's like listen bro you owe me 5.2 billion check this out verse 25 since he was not able to pay the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt okay wait what the king calls him in, and he says, listen, you owe me $5.2 billion, and um, apparently you can't pay, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to sell you and your wife and your kids and all your stuff so that we can start to repay this debt. Again, this is bad. Look at verse 26. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. This servant needed forgiveness. He falls to his knees. Isn't it interesting what this servant wanted? It's, it's interesting that when he finds himself at this place of indebtedness where he has offended, where he has harmed or hurt someone else and finds himself on the edge of being thrown in a cage, what did he want? He, he, wanted, he wanted grace. Please, please, you know, don't do this to me. He wanted fast forgiveness. I mean, he did not want the king to be like, okay, let me think about it for a few months and I'll let you know. No, he's about to be sold. There's no time for thinking about it and maybe I'll catch you on a good day at some point in the future. No, no, no. This has got to happen right now. He falls to his knees. He's like, I need fast forgiveness in this. He wanted understanding. King, please, you have to understand. I will pay you back. I will do whatever I can. I will figure out a way. He wanted, he wanted sympathy. Please, king, don't sell me. Don't sell my wife and my kids. Don't, don't do this. I know I've got a debt. Please understand where I'm coming from. He wanted relief from the debt. 
He knew he couldn't pay this back. It was 20 years of a day laborer's wages. And there he is on his knees begging this king, I know I owe you too much, more than I could ever pay myself. I'm asking you for relief from this debt. That's what he wanted. When he was the offender, that's what he wanted. But, but look what happens next, verse 27. The servant's master took pity on him, Jesus is telling the story, canceled the debt and let him go. The king was willing to cancel the debt. Part two of the story, verse 28, look at this. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred coins. Now that's basically about $10,000 in today's money. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. Okay, wait, time out, what? He, he's just been forgiven $750 of Monopoly money? And now he finds somebody who owes him 20 Monopoly dollars? And it says that he goes out and, and, and finds this person who owes him $10,000 and he begins to choke him and he says, pay me what you owe me. Now, here's the thing. For those of us who have been around Bible study for a long time, don't rush to the end of the story here because it's so easy. It's so tempting for us, those of us who know this, this passage, to run to the end of the story. Stay in the moment for a, for a second. $10,000 is a lot of money, especially if you're a day laborer. That'd be like someone totaling your car and then being like, no, 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 forget about it. Sorry, good luck with that. It's a big deal. This is, this is life impacting. This is not just a small little issue. This, is, this isn't just, well, you know, yeah, you borrowed a few bucks for lunch and I can't pay you, sorry. Yeah, don't worry about it. This is 10 grand. This is a big deal. So here's this servant who finds himself in this crazy position where now he's got someone face-to-face -face with him who's going, you owe me $10,000. Pay up. Verse 29, his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But he refused. Verse 30, instead he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. This man goes out and he puts this guy who owes him 10 grand in a cage where he knows he will never be able to pay the debt. Notice when the tables were turned and this, this servant moves from being the offender to being the offended that all of a sudden what he wanted to give was completely different than what he wanted. Notice it. He wanted justice. When this guy owed him 10 grand, which is a significant amount of money, he said, no, I, no, right now. He wanted the consequences to linger. He says, listen, there's consequences for your action, buddy. You owe me $10,000 and you can't pay. That's it. He wanted it to be black and white. He said, listen, the law says if you owe and you can't pay, you go to jail. Too bad. It's black and white. No. He wanted the letter of the law. No. I will stand for righteousness. I will stand for what's right. And he wanted, he wanted it to be about the letter of the law. And he wanted most of all payment for the debt. You can go to jail. You can be in a cage for the rest of your life. You know why? Because you need to pay for what you've done to me. You have offended me. You have harmed me. And you must pay. Same servant. Two lists. 
And isn't it interesting when we look at these lists on the screen? How they become a mirror, don't they? Because each one of us perhaps now are looking at the words on these screens and we're beginning to realize that when we're the offender, we want grace. But when somebody offends us, it's justice time. When we're the offender, no, 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 hey, can't you just kind of look the other way on this one, officer? But when we're the offended, no, they hit my car. You go get them. We want consequences. When we're, when we're the offender, we want understanding. Well, you, I mean, you understand. You know my heart, brother. But when we're the offended, we want it to be black and white. Maybe you don't understand. You harmed my kids enough. When we're the offender, we want sympathy. Surely you can sympathize with my situation. But when we're the offended, it's the letter of the law. You were late. You missed it. You didn't meet the goals. You're out. When we're the offender, we want relief. But when we're the offended, we want payment. This stuff hits pretty close to home, doesn't it? This is what happens next, verse 31. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed. Isn't it interesting that the other servants around us can always see what's going on? When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and they went and they told their master everything that had happened. 32, then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of $5.2 billion, 750 monopoly dollars, because you begged me to. I saw your crocodile tears, man. And I canceled that debt. Verse 33, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Verse 34, in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. Look at verse 35. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you Unless you forgive from your heart. See, you guys, here's what I think we have to understand this morning. The result of not forgiving is a cage. When, when we hold unforgiveness in our heart towards someone else who has offended us, we place ourselves in a cage. And see, here's the thing. It records that the cage 
of unforgiveness was a place of torture for this man. It said he handed him over to the jailers, to the jailers, to be tortured. And some of us know what that is. We know what it is to, to maybe for a long, long time in our life have not forgiven someone who has wronged us, who has hurt us, who has offended us in our past. And we know what it is to have that unforgiveness be a torture chamber for us. And daily we wake up and we are reminded that we are living in a cage of unforgiveness. See, here's, here's the trick of the devil, you guys. I believe this is, the, this is the subtle trick of the devil. The devil wants us to believe that if we don't forgive someone, that we're putting them in the cage. When in reality, Jesus makes it so clear that if we don't forgive someone else, we're putting ourselves in the cage. It, it, it was a torture chamber. I, I... And notice what was holding the person, the servant, in the, in the cage. It wasn't the master. It wasn't the king. Because there's an escape clause. Did you catch it? He said, he handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until. Until he forgave. Until he paid him back. Until, uh, there's, there's an escape clause so who was, who was holding this servant in the cage? It wasn't the king. It wasn't the master. It was his own unforgiveness. The only way out of the cage is through forgiveness. Now listen, I understand that this is a heavy message. Because I understand that some of us know what it is to have a boss or a business partner who has wronged us. And they took the money and they deceived us. And we are left holding the bag. Some of us understand what it is to have a coworker who has stabbed us in the back and we thought we were friends. And we are living our life going, how could they do that to me? How could they... Some of us know what it is to have a teacher or a coach who spoke words over us that were so hurtful, that were so harmful that I'm just not sure I can bring myself to forgive them. Some of us know what it is to have a parent who was less than parental. Some of us know what it is to have a son or a daughter, a brother or a sister, a spouse who has wronged us. And, and believe me, I nor Jesus are minimizing the pain that was caused. But Jesus' point to every one of us is that if we don't forgive, we're not putting them in the cage. We're putting ourselves in the cage. And here's the thing. What is a cage? What is a jail cell? Very simply, it's, it's a holding tank. 
Police put bad people in a jail cell to, as a holding tank to keep them away from what? From the rest of life. To keep them away from, from the outside world. To keep them from moving forward any longer. And Jesus tells us that when we choose to not forgive from our heart, that we place ourselves in a cage. Separated from life. Separated from the rest of the world.
here's what we know. We can't go back. We can't go back. That which was taken away from us, by holding on to unforgiveness, we we don't go back. I, I think some of us have bought this myth that if we we hold tightly to this unforgiveness in our heart, then somehow we punish them. Jesus makes it so clear that we don't punish them. We don't put them in a cage. We we punish ourselves. It's like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. to let us out of the cage of unforgiveness. We serve a God who says, I want to give you an opportunity to not be separated from the rest of your life anymore. And and I understand that for some of us, it's that feeling of, well, if I forgive them, then, then I let them off the hook, then somehow it's like I'm condoning what they did to me. That's our, that's our fear in, in unforgiveness, isn't it? That somehow we condone what they've done. That, that by saying, listen, I forgive you, that it, that it somehow tells them or tells the world looking on that it's, that it's okay. We must forgive. Because the alternative is a cage. It, it, it's not that, that we're condoning it that we're recognizing that the only person we're hurting by not forgiving is ourselves. So this morning, all across this room, I just, right where we're seated, I want to give us an opportunity to whisper a prayer together. Because if you're facing a situation, if you're facing a scenario where you have not forgiven from your heart, What does it mean to forgive? It means to to let let them off the hook. It means that they don't owe the debt anymore. And it means that you put your faith and your trust in a sovereign God who sees all, knows all, and is in control of all. morning I want to lead us in a prayer and I'm saying us because I'm one of us and all across this room I just want to give us an opportunity to
is what does life outside of the cage of my unforgiveness look like? It looks like freedom. It looks like healing. It looks like peace. It looks like moving forward. That's what Jesus wants. Let's pray together. And again, if you just want to whisper this right where you're seated, that would be awesome. to touch us. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, seated right where I am, I recognize the unforgiveness in my heart. Jesus, you know this person. You know the situation. You know the circumstances. Jesus, you see how scared I am. But I realize right now that I can't stay in this cage. I ask you to forgive me of dragging that person back into the cage. And I ask you right now Unlock the door of my cage. Would you help us, Jesus, that every day from here forward we would remember that that person is no longer in a cage, that we've set them free and in so doing we set ourselves free Jesus we're scared we are insecure we are at the end of ourselves we know that our human nature wants to run back to the cage back to the safety of unforgiveness unforgiveness is easier truly forgiving from our heart is the difficult thing. Jesus, we forgive. We forgive. We forgive. Because we've been forgiven. And it's in your name we pray. being here today. We recognize that with a sermon like today, it, it's the start of a journey. And we'd like to offer a resource. Um, we encourage you to check it out. It's called Total Forgiveness. Um, it might be something that you need to, to go and get today for the sake of helping you in this journey of stepping out of your cage into freedom.